Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Real Lives Untold podcast with myself, Sarah O'Connor. And myself, Trina O'Connor. We're focusing on all things crime and human interest, creating a space for people to tell their stories, the raw, unedited version. And I suppose for me, the, the most telling uh, part of the whole process is that, that time when you step through the gate and the gate slaps behind you. And there's this noise. And then there's this stillness that's in prison. Uh, and, and I mean, that's, I suppose, when you begin to realise I'm no longer free, I'm now confined. Today, the so-called man who ran Mountjoy joins us on Real Lives Untold. John Lonigan joined the prison service in 1968. He served as the governor in the Joy for 26 years before retiring in 2010. He has always argued that there is a direct link between crime, social and economic deprivation. He believes that the only real long-term solution to poverty is education. Sarah, I know. we have... The man. A bit of a superstar. The man who ran Mount Joy to paraphrase, paraphrase your memoir. Yeah. Um, I think for I 26 years, John. Yeah, I was there for a long time. Yeah. I yeah. uh, didn't appear that long at the time, but it is like anything else. If you're doing something, you don't find the time passing. But yeah, looking back, it was a pretty long, long stretch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I did more 20, than a lot of them. Tw- yeah, more than most <laughs> people. I did actually 22 years in Mount Joy and, and four and a half year, four years, a bit more down in Port Leash. That's right. In between sort of sort of a career break. That I got to go down to Port Leash. But that was a completely different experience. Yeah. And something that I had never experienced any IRA pro- political prisoners in yeah. during my service. And when I was asked to go down, because I was asked to go down to take over as governor of Port Leash, I, I volunteered to do it for two years. But I actually stayed for four. Um, and, and that was an experience in itself. Uh, I suppose I often explain that the biggest difference between the prisoners in Mount Joy was that they very much saw themselves as prisoners felt like prisoners, acted like prisoners, yeah. uh, you know, and, and very much caught up in the culture of prison. And the very opposite was the case with the IRA prisoners. They didn't see themselves as prisoners at all. Yeah. Uh, they saw themselves as freedom fighters and they saw themselves as there, you know, on the basis of principle and uh, and against the system. And so prison didn't, in my view, do as much damage to them psychologically because of that networking and support system that had in place. They looked after each other. Nobody looks after each other in Mount Joy. There's all one, mm. for, one for all and all for one. So and so in terms of that psychological damage that you talk about, I've heard you speak before about some of the harms that can come from prison. Like, what are the kind of psychological damages that can happen to somebody in a prison, do you do you think, John? Well, there's an, obviously it is complex and there's no yeah. simple answer to it. Um 
But it depends on the individual. It depends on the crime. It depends on the duration. For some people, uh, you know, a, a huge number of people, as as you know, the vast numbers of people don't know this. But the vast numbers of people who go to prison go for a very short period of time, uh, yeah. twelve months or less, which in reality means nine months. So I, you know, if prison doesn't do a huge amount of damage psychologically to them on a once off. Now, if they're in and out and in and out, which some of them are, well, then at least they're not. But people serving three or four years or more, certainly prison is psychologically, mentally and physically damaging. Um, because again, it's based, it's because you're so confined. You're you're never making any decisions. Everything is done for you. Um, so you stop. Uh, you know uh, the whole. You know the, I suppose the whole skills and development uh, and controls that we have and responsibilities. So you can go through prison for four or five years and never make a decision. And you can depend on the system and the supports are there. And of course, you very very easily become dependent on the system, which I saw hundreds of people or thousands of people mm. over the years develop into that yeah. dependency. And then of course that has huge repercussions when they are when, when they're released they come out. because yeah. actually in psychology we would call that a learned help. Yeah. So, because you, you you just have to kind of surrender yourself, I suppose, if you're going to survive. Well, structurally, it. the yeah. system is you know people are locked up in a very small space, and uh, they're totally controlled in relation to their movement. The only thing that's not controlled is their minds. Uh, but both the physical conditions have an impact on your mind as well. And uh, I suppose uh, boredom is huge. Bullying is rampant in prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you're any type of a timid, uh, sensitive guy, prison is a tough place to be. Um, it's a very one balance, uh, you know, all one-sided uh, sort of gender as well. All men or all women, which is not good either. There's no young people. There's no children. There's no normality. So it's an abnormal uh, existence. Mm-hmm. And if you're there long enough, and I would say anything over three or four years is, is a hell of a long time to be locked up. And people forget as well that to spend, you know, up, up to 18 to 20 hours every day, seven days a week, uh, confined in a very small space. And uh, nobody would ever convince me other than that that has to be damaging yeah. and mentally, would say, physically and emotionally. Yeah. And people would say three or four years isn't enough for a lot of the serious crimes that are committed. But can you just explain to us for people who like myself and Trina have have visited prisons, we've yeah. been lucky enough to go in and see how it works. Can you explain how it works that the prisoners are in their cell for most of the day? Yeah, um, first of all, I think, you know, I'd always say that everybody should should be able to get in to visit a prison. We did a bit of that when on my time, especially with schools and teachers and, and some youth groups to, to allow them into the prison on, a, on a, an educational information basis so that they'd be able to have some comprehension and understanding of what prison really is, even though it's a bit superficial in the sense that psychologically when you go in to visit, you know you're not being locked up. And I suppose for me, the, the most telling uh, part of the whole process is that that time when you step through the gate and the gate slaps behind you yeah. and there's this noise and then there's this stillness that's in prison uh, and and I mean that's I suppose when you begin to realise I'm no longer free I'm now confined yeah. and then after that um, it's a bit of a humiliating experience as well because uh, everything is taken from you you're, you're very much subjected to the rules and expectations of prison uh, uh, or regime and prison staff a lot depends then on who you meet and that, especially that initial stage if you meet somebody that's, that's as a prison officer kind and considerate and sensitive uh, you could meet a brute as well because yeah. they're in the job as well misfits that shouldn't be there at all and they can have a massive impact on the person so uh, so that's, that, that uh, human 
contact thing is huge. If someone, you meet someone that will reassure you, for instance, on the day you step in for the first time, that has kind of a massive impact on your on the rest of your time in prison. Uh, the opposite is the case when you meet somebody who is ignorant or, or just uh, disrespectful, which often happens. Uh, and then after that, you spend a hell of a lot of time, as you mentioned, uh, locked up in a cell. And this, the cell is very small. Nowadays, about 50% of all prisoners have to share a cell with mm-hmm. somebody else. Again, the public have no insight yeah. or perception or understanding of what that means to be in a tiny space confined with somebody else uh, day in, day out. We all need our own space. We all need to get out, you know, wherever it is, for a walk on our own, sit in a room on our own, uh, sit on the bed on our own, whatever it is. And imagine that if you're in prison sharing a cell, you're never on your own. And that is, as a, that's the punishment element. So being locked up in a prison is a punishment. That there'll be no misunderstanding about it. And, uh, you know, that it means, that's what it means to people. And, and people who come out of prison and say, and, and I have heard them say, you know, that it was a pudding or something like that. I'd always feel very sorry for them because their understanding of life and, and the quality of life that we all should have is so diminished and so damaged yeah. that they don't even realise how bad prison is. Mm. And for a tiny number of prisons, believe it or not, prison is, is better than whatever the outside but I always made the point that if prison is better than what people have on the outside we should be focused on, on the outside and yeah. what conditions they're living in and mm. what so, uh, conditions are subjected to because anyone that would feel that prison is better than outside well then outside must be horrific Yeah, John I've actually some of the young people I've worked with over the years have actually told me that being in prison was the safest that they ever felt. It was a place where they felt cared for because people were concerned for them even to eat. So you're right. I mean, that whole social contract is broken there for some young people. Some of the traumatic experiences that they're in, that being in prison was the first time they felt that they were cared for. Um, even though they were in there as a punishment for a crime. I mean, yeah. that is a really sad indictment, isn't it? Of someone well, Trina, I suppose my own uh, sort of experience uh, of the whole thing was that uh, quite a, a significant number of young men, and they're mainly yeah. more men, 97% yeah. of the prison population in Ireland are men, and they're mostly mo- young. When I was in Mount Jai, two-thirds were, were under 27, so you're talking about young men. Uh, and, and for many of them, what I, I identified as their fundamental weakness initially was the lack of structure and the lack of, of any type of, of supports and and uh, no, uh, I suppose, um, no boundaries. That's the word I was looking for, no boundaries. They're, they're, they're running amok outside. But human beings need some structure. They like do. what time do you go to bed at? What time do you get up at? Food at a you know, fairly regular basis yeah. and something to occupy you uh, on a fairly regular basis. So those uh, prison can often do that. Medical care, for instance. Again, people don't take it seriously, but many, many people go to prison have never been uh, have availed of medical care, proper medical care, dentistry, lots of fundamental stuff. And in prison, they, they often get that type of service. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the other thing it does is uh, for psychology especially, I suppose that's that's uh, uh, very very unique in prison. Is it's the only place that many many people who frequent prison have rights because they have rights in prison, and it's often amusing to hear them d- telling you the rights they have, which is great by the way, yeah. because outside. They have no rights, no. but in prison they have rights, and and uh, and and that's a good thing. That's and the that's rehabilitation, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. Sarah. That's the rehabilitation piece, isn't it? It kind of brings people back to like a pro-social behaviour rather than anti-social behaviour when they have a structure around them when they come out of prison. 
yeah. their human rights as well, I well, guess. Well, they have yeah. some human rights in prison. And, uh, but I suppose what I would find is, again, and this was a personal experience, and I'm sure lots of people that work with young people that would be on the periphery or in and out of prison or in and out of courts would have, have the same thing to say. On a one-to-one basis, 99.9% of the men and women I met in prison were ordinary, decent, nice people. And when I go to, sc- to schools, I often say the vast numbers of people I met in prison were decent people, but they made bad choices and they yeah. made bad decisions. But on a, in a one-to-one or on a one-to-one basis, I found 99% of them absolutely okay, respectful, and nice, decent people. And that's how to, you know, people find that hard to believe. But when they went into a group or when they got into a, a situation where like a semi-right or a disturbance, they become, they change personality yeah. and they love the excitement and they love the thing at the edge, being on the edge and, and all that risk factor and, and the violence and the aggression and the buzz. And, uh, and it's a bit like that with their drugs as well. They yeah. like being on the edge a bit. They like to do the thing that's really risky because they get a buzz out of that. And they're, they're impulsive as well. That's the other yeah. thing I suppose yeah. I found. Impulsiveness got them into so much trouble. And when we began to develop close circuit television in the prison, that was fascinating because a little dispute would start between two prisoners and the next thing there's 10 of them involved. And afterwards you'd be saying to them, why did you get involved in that? And most of them just went, I don't know. Yeah. They didn't know either. Yeah. They just saw the excitement and they were in. But out on the streets, of course, that gets out of hand and then they have committed a very serious assault, for instance, and now they're into, into serious uh, uh, criminality yeah. with the court. So a lot of it can you can see uh, in relation to their personalities, in their upbringing, the lack of discipline, the lack of controls. They don't think a lot of them. They and I, I've, I've often said since you know, and just generally applies to men, not just ones that end up in prison, but men generally. We as males, men, we have a very poor concept of consequences. You can you could be tired of telling young fellas, don't do that because you'll you'll break your arm, you'll fall off, and kill yourself. But you listen, you might as well be telling. The, Physiologically, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, Sarah. We're <laughs> just okay. so excited to talk yeah. to John. Yeah, go ahead. Sarah. And because of your personality type, you're talking about like over ninety percent of the prisoners were decent people, and I'd say you really interacted with them during oh, prison one, life on, one, on the landings Sarah, on yeah. a one to one. Uh, I got to know thousands of them over the years. Um, open centres. I was in Shangana. I was in Lachan House for early stages, and and then in Mount Joy. And what I was fascinating as well as some of the boys that I met. Uh, we had the Bugsy Malones caught mm. in, in 1977, 78 uh, for a few years up in Lachan House and uh, they were children at the time 12 yeah. to 16 year olds and, and uh, was, what was fascinating is that I met so many of them afterwards in Mount Joy so that the old cycle and what a lot of people didn't realise uh, the late Dr Paul O'Mahony found this in his research uh, that you know uh, about 75% of, of, of men in Mount Joy had spent time as children in detention right. so, uh, so yeah listen to me I, I've always said you're going nowhere unless you have a relationship, whether you're a professional or whether you're, uh, you know, uh, involved in any way whatsoever. If you want to make a difference and you want to influence people and being able to get the best out of them, you must develop a relationship with them. And that's based on respect. And yeah. my old philosophy was, and I've shared it with everybody and anybody since, you must start on the basis that I shall respect everybody, irrespective of who they are, irrespective of the circumstances. Even when they were very bold, and some of them were very bold, and, and you know, broke the rules, or whether it was drugs or assaults or whatever, I still would say, you know, you must always show respect, irrespective. And that's the best way to demonstrate what living normal, I suppose, respectful lives is built on. It's a built on showing respect to somebody else. Not demanding it, but showing it. Yeah. And I have, I, you know, my greatest satisfaction now, 
after being retired uh, 13 years this month mm. uh, is I meet hundreds of guys on the streets in Dublin and Cork and Limerick when I'm in the city centres and uh, today up to t- today I've never come across one that has been disrespectful or abusive there you instead go. they're the very opposite actually uh, they're running over they're, they're all t- and they're only disappointed with these when, when they say to me do you remember me and I inevitably have to say I don't yeah. and they're always disappointed and they say well you should and remember me <laughs> and uh, because I was a lunatic or whatever and you know 10-15 years on they have got a bit mature they're calmed down they're completely different but anyway it's based I believe I believe that I always tried to treat them with respect and never humiliated them even when they were wrong I always believed that you, you should never never go down the road of humiliation and, and it sometimes sounds like you, you really saw them as people yeah, you know there were no boundaries there I'd in be that critical respect. of the court system I'd be critical of the court system sometimes that sometimes judges go way overboard in terms of the humiliation of the person I've no problem with the sentencing I've no problem with the punishment in but I do think that sometimes judges overstep the mark when when they humiliate the person uh, in, the, in, the, in the court in front of whatever. I don't believe humiliation does one ounce of good for anybody. And, uh, you know, so you must you must always, you know, distinguish between the behaviour and the person. And I would always make a very big point of that. You can say what you like about behaviour because that can change, but it doesn't represent the person. And I often say that to them. Change your behaviour and you're fine. Yeah. But, but so saying to somebody, your behaviour is appalling is absolutely fine. But saying to the person you are appalling is is way over the mark and is very destructive yeah. and very, very dehumanising. And are, is there any or many people that you have come across in Mount Joy or in Port Leash that you thought, actually, I, I don't think they they are guilty of anything? Yeah, well, I met a couple of people that weren't guilty uh, and they were found subsequently not to be guilty. But I'd have to say on the other side that the vast, vast numbers uh, were guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the system, I think the old Irish system, despite the fact that we can criticise it. And, and by the way, we, we, you know, that's a good thing to be constantly criticising systems because otherwise the system runs out, runs out, you know, runs amok with power and, and, and uh, you know, insensitivity and all that. Uh, there's nothing more dangerous than, you know, this whole thing of, of power. Uh, and I always say that you know, uh, p- you know, power is responsibility, not not the other way around. Uh, but I, I did meet a few people that were innocent, but the vast numbers of people were guilty. And, and anybody uh, that was innocent, that their conviction wasn't overturned. You don't have to. Go I'm into not. Names, no, obviously. I'm not aware myself of anybody that that was was uh, was innocent. That their, their conviction wasn't overturned. But I was uh, aware of and came across people who, on the day they were arrived in prison, said they were innocent, and mm-hmm. subsequently uh, that was true. And that and that became, uh, you know, the reality for them. And they were successful eventually. Sometimes after a number of years, uh, that should never happen. Uh, but uh, and there's always a flaw in the system when it happens. Yeah. Somebody hasn't done what they should do. Whether that's the DPP, whether it's the guards, whether it's the jury, but somebody hasn't done what they should do because a miscarriage of justice should never occur. End of story. And you're a big advocate of the Irish Penal Reform Trust. You're saying, you know, it's good that there's an independent agency there speaking out against the establishment. And in a way, you were quite controversial in that regard, weren't you? 
Yeah, I'm, I am to some degree a supporter of the Irish Penal Reform Trust. I don't think that they're anything like uh, as independent and as kind of, as critical as they shouldn't be. Okay. I, I would say they should never have anything to do with the Department of Justice or the Irish Prison Service at all except to criticise them. And uh, my criticism of the Irish Penal Reform Trust a few times was that they participated in evaluating things and working with the IPS and I would say that should never happen. Mm. Uh, let others do that. You stay out and, and be critical. I, I myself was, yeah, very critical of the Irish system because I saw the wrongs that were being done to people. I also saw the, the opportunities that were there uh, to make a difference to people, to change the lives of people. And, uh, uh, you know, I saw a lot of, a lot of money squandered and uh, like Thornton Hall and other yeah. projects that no accountability in relation to millions that were squandered. Uh, and the money is so badly needed in, uh, to, to provide the sort of uh, resources and I suppose the lack of aftercare, I'm still a big critic of that. We're very poor. Like, we're, as a country, like, we should be leading Europe uh, in the sense that we have a very tiny prison population. Even with overcrowding at the moment, we still have less than 5,000 people in prison in total. And, and that means that we have, you know, about 4,000 sentenced people at any one time. Quite a substantial number doing short sentences. Yeah. Why we're not up there and leading in Europe in relation to how we should be providing aftercare and supports for families as well. Families and the other big one I have are children of the imprisoned. The way they're treated or mistreated and mm. the lack of facilities for them and the lack of sensitivity about a little child going into prison to visit his mum or dad, uh, searched and sniffed with dogs and all that. I, 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 mm. I, I, I made a point myself of saying, you know, sometimes security and humanity become in, 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 uh, compatible. Yeah. Incompatible. And any time it does, I used to say, I'll always come down on the side of humanity. Because on the principle that you nothing justifies, uh, you know, the uh, the human uh, the the humiliation of another human being, and children are the damage that's done to children. So going into prison to visit a parent for a child is, is my view, is a very traumatic experience. And as a, as a, 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 an organisation, as an institution, we should make that experience the best possible. And I would be strongly of the of the view and of the experience to say that that, that is not the case, and it's still not the case. So the con- Contact for the child with the parent, for me, is a fundamental human right. And and on issues like yeah. that, I think the IHP and Reform Trust should be constantly out there mm. uh, batting on behalf of children that have been deprived of that, uh, I suppose, experience. Uh, you know, it's always going to be a negative experience, but at least it should be done in a very sensitive and in a very humanitarian and, way. And there is... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Holistic things you can do. I know in Wales they did a huge research study on ACEs and trauma and the effect, and they they came up with like you know um, 
uh, daddy reading and uh, bedtime stories for the children and they walked into prisons and they got them to do a CD to keep that connection with the children and to try and kind of, you know, um, not normalise. It's not about normalising, but to keep that holistic kind of approach. Yeah, I came across a lot, a lot of that. We actually did it in Mount Joy, the women's prison, for a mm. number of years. I, I, do, I doubt if it's still there now, but it was there yeah. in the library where the library used to organise a, a mother in those, the women's prison, yeah. the mother's reading uh, stories and then sending out the tapes and all that sort of stuff. Um, listen, I suppose one of the things that I found very difficult towards the end of my service, which was around 2007 to 10, the last three or four years, was that the Irish Prison Service went from what I, what I believed was was a pretty humanitarian system, a bit balanced, based on, on a bit of balance, and uh, where humanity was always a very big consideration, to one where, where it became obsessed with security. And, and punishment. It did. And punishment. Well, well, yeah, but based on security, like all the searching, and it was all about drugs, and while drugs are absolutely uh, un, undesirable. But again, you must come back to basic humanity. You cannot you know, throw, throw the baby out of the washing simply to say, we'll do everything possible to stop drugs going in. So they went from being pretty balanced to, I believe, very extreme in terms of everything was security and everything else. Like So lots of the soft skills that were there, like computers, like all the sorts of stuff that could help people to, to try to normalise life, were taken away uh, to, because of security and because we tightened up on this and tightened up on that. And at the end, it became you know, nearly a warehouse for people. They just went in in, they went through the system, they went out again. No, no prison system should be warehousing people. Mm. It should be doing... It's very difficult. I mean, I'm always difficult with the word rehabilitation because the rehabilitation involves the consent of people. Not every prisoner, you know, has a consent or the energy or the commitment to be rehabilitated. But we should at least give them alternatives. I always believed in that, that you give a person leaving prison an alternative. This is one way you can go or else you go your own way. But the reality is for the vast numbers of people leaving prison, there are no alternatives. And so they have very little choices. And that's where, Mm -hmm. as a society, we are failing to, to... I suppose, to connect the two, the, the, the prison element of it and the aftercare. Because without support, and, and especially the first three months, I found that, that if a person had support for three months after, after release, there was a, a chance that that person could make it. With no support, it was almost inevitable that that person went back into crime again. Mm-hmm. Petty crime, but that's where these two and a half thousand per year people yeah. doing 12 months or mm-hmm. less come from. They're all minor petty crime, but we are putting an awful lot of them into the system and it's blocked Locking down and is bro- and nothing is good is happening for the individual person no. and I doubt if they're much and happening they, for society. They become, they become career criminals. I know. I know that currently out of the uh, Greentown research, uh, Dr. Sean Redmond and Dr. Johnny Connolly, they are um, out of that research working with the Department of Justice to doing the bail support um, supervision um, for young people between the age of 18 and 25 as far as I understand and I suppose from all the international evidence we know that the more we can keep young people away from the criminal justice system the less likely they are to be um, career criminals but during your time John I'm sure you're you're not an easy man to shock but I wonder was there ever a situation that you had with a prisoner, either negative or positive, that would have shocked or surprised you? Is there anything that comes to mind? You know, I, 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 I suppose I had both, uh, you know, for instance, shocks, yes, yeah, suicides, people yeah. dying by suicide, and who they were often shocked me. And we had too many of them in prison in my time. Uh, my first year in Mount Jai, I think we had five or six into one year, which was oh. uh, the first in about 40 years. 
Uh, and some of the individuals that died by suicide in Mountjoy during my time were shocked because there was no way that I even regarded them as high risk. Yeah. And still, you know, uh, that happened. That was uh, that was on side of it. And then on the other side of it, uh, people who uh, had led very, very violent and difficult uh, lives uh, in the early part of their lives, I saw them make uh, huge uh, mental, emotional and psychological change in prison and change completely as they got older, as they got more mature, far more reflective and more in control of their impulses and all that. And that was, uh, uh, you know, very, very uh, uh, shocking sometimes because you never expected it, but, but also rewarding. very, very rewarding. Yeah. And, uh, and then some of, the, some of the projects that we did, like the Connect Project uh, and the Drama Project. I mean, people laughed at the Drama Project and, yes. uh, you know, they put softy, softy and, and all that old stuff. But the Drama Project had tremendous benefits and changed the lives of so many people uh, because it introduced them to a whole new, you know, a whole new insight into what life is about, discipline, mm-hmm. uh, you know, self-esteem, uh, all that sort of stuff. Like, people often, you know, a lot of people who end up in prison, uh, did often, uh, you know, they lived a lot of their lives and never got one word of encouragement yeah. or word, word, one word of praise during that whole mm-hmm. life. And often on stage, you know, especially if they were good performers, which some of them were. Yeah, well, they know, had to be, didn't they? Yeah, Survive, well, then, you yeah. know, the, the acclamation they got and the, and the praise they got on a standing ovation you, mm. you can't measure the no. benefit of that for somebody no, no. and people began to realise and I saw guys who started off doing a small little role in a, in, a, in a drama production going back to school going into open university and graduating with degrees now that yeah. is fantastic that's amazing and, yeah. but the problem with that is and I always say that as well you're talking now about small numbers of individuals and the problem with that is that's often highlighted as a success and systems like the prison system are brilliant at that highlighting this oh look at this fella mm. but that's a once off yeah. the vast numbers don't benefit from this type of stuff at all yeah. and they linger along and do their times mm. and go out yeah. and, and we must never allow the institutions to sort of you know pick the, the good ones and, 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 and pretend or, or, or give the impression that this is pretty normal it is very unusual for a person to make that uh, significant change and you say that education is the solution I know you're saying look Reality is that these prisoners are not going to do their leaving cert when they're in prison, but some type of education. What are you talking about? Well, gosh, I'm a total believer in education and I have no hesitation. I've said it not wider than prison, by the way, because we must never allow ourselves to forget either that the vast numbers of people who go to prison come from very deprived, socially disadvantaged, poorly educated, formally and informally, because life skills are also, and life knowledge is weak as well as, as academic education. So I'm absolutely convinced that the only long-term solution to social deprivation and poverty the world over mm. is education. The challenge is to convince the people who are you know, in that uh, uh, culture at the moment and in that environment that education is the answer. Because what I found in prison, which was very demoralising, was that those who went into prison <coughs> educated were the most likely people to end up in education in the prison. Those mm. who went into prison with very poor education were the last to sign on for education. And the reality is that the majority have never sat a sta- state exam and, and half of them are around 15 when, yeah, you know, and so when they Yeah, and the other school. thing that would not be understood outside that's, that is, uh, you know, and it is just a reality of prison, that the culture in prison is very anti 
you know, education, yeah. very anti-drug treatment, very anti-anti. And there, there's a very good reason for it. They want to keep everybody at the same level. Mm-hmm. And it's like us outside in your outside of prison. And, you know, you see somebody selling a house in one area and going after a more affluent area. You know, there's a sort of a, a, a jealousy about them. <laughs> and, you know, they've gone up market and they're gone. And it's the same principle, but lower down in prison. You know, who the hell do you think you are going back to going to education? You're going to get two grand for yourself soon and you leave us. Yeah. Same with drug treatment. You'd think that everyone would be saying, no, 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 go in and get drug treatment. They're actually saying the opposite of them. So yeah. an individual who goes to prison, it's a, it, he, has to, he or she has to be courageous, really, and be very independent-minded to sign on for education or to sign on for anything positive because they won't be popular with their mates. So it's the exception rather than the rule, yeah, really. but it, people don't understand that. Yeah. Uh, the, co- the, the culture and the peer influence and pressure is huge in prison. And to be one of us is a big thing in prison. And that being one of us means staying as you yeah, are, though. Of course. Yeah. And now, how would you feel about being governor in Mountjoy? Now it's a very different landscape, isn't it? With all the organised crime gangs there and protective uh, yeah, custody. Yeah. Or is it pretty much the same? No, do my, you think? my old philosophy <laughs> would be the same. I, I wouldn't change at all. Uh, I, I'd be far more experienced if I went back now. Yeah. I have no wish to go back, but but if I did, I I, I certainly would be going into a big advantage, I think, on what I had when I started off, because I was very young at the time in 1984, and I hadn't a lot of life experience uh, that I have now. And but I, you know, I set off in in 1984 when I was appointed this month, actually, and uh, I set out, uh, you know, uh, be, uh, you know, when my stall was to always show respect and always be kind to people, irrespective of who they are, and I used kindness. Uh, and and respect throughout my career and uh, and that would not change uh, in terms of of how I'd approach gangland feud leaders or whatever yeah. I've always made a point as a, and, I, and I was always you know regularly misunderstood and misrepresented on that that uh, because you're kind or because you're respectful of other human beings does not mean that you're a soft touch and you can discipline people in a nice way mm-hmm. very effectively or you can be ignorant and abrupt and discipline them in a very bad way and uh, I had the experience often quite often that after disciplining a guy but after spending a bit of time uh, talking with him and explaining uh, why why I was doing what uh, he stu- he many of them stood up and shook my hand even though I was punishing them and that just showed that that the few minutes extra that you that you spend explaining and trying to connect with the person uh, is is a very worthwhile thing yeah. because they go out with a list chip on their shoulder and they respect the fact that what you are is you're doing your job. As I always said to them, I'm just simply doing a different job than you, but I'm no better than you. And I'm honestly, I never felt better than anybody in prison either. As a human being, I was as vulnerable and as, as, as you know, as unpredictable and, and, and I have all the human weaknesses as, as many prisoners had. Uh, the difference was that I had a different upbringing and I suppose I had, I had a different stability in my life and I hadn't to deal with drugs and I hadn't to deal with violence and I hadn't to deal with the negative drug uh, uh, culture that, that many of them are brought up in. And I, I go back to my statement is I met thousands of very normal, decent people in prison. And I th- and really the way you are now, that's the way you are with people all the time on the inside and on the outside. And I'll just give my story 
I met John Lonergan, was it, I'd say it was 2009, 2010, I was studying criminology and I managed to get a meeting with him. Wow. And I was coming from Mountjoy Square where I was studying criminology and I it was dark and I uh, arrived in and I was very silly about what, I didn't think about what clothes to wear oh, and no. I had heels and clip, clop, oh. clip, clop, up landings. <laughs> I thought, what am I doing here? But you were so kind, yourself and Tony. Hmm. And I sat down with you and I was doing criminology and I was very idealistic. I thought I was going to interview um, men who had killed or were convicted of murder and to get their stories obviously anonymized. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get in here. This is why I was doing criminology in the first place. And you said, well, absolutely. There are so many uh, prisoners in here that be willing to talk to you. But it never happened. Unfortunately, they didn't like the look at me. The look at me. I didn't get in. I know, listen. Uh, but you did, Trina, a few years later. I did, yeah. I got, I got into Mount Joy and I got into Weefield um, and I spoke to murders, yeah, um, when I was doing my thesis. And, and just like you, John, I found the experience very humbling um, because it's, it's, it's not who they are. It was something that happened at a time of their life and particularly um to a, a father and son that i spoke to it was a it was um if you can call a murder an accidental murder it yeah. was it was an affray it was mm. it was it was a violent altercation and and um it was it was really tragic for everybody um but i think what i find most phenomenal um about you john if you don't mind me saying is your ability to look at the human outside of the crime because you will have dealt with people who have done the cruelest of deeds against their fellow man. And I think that kindness and compassion that you brought to the job is something that is lacking in a lot of our services. Um, And I suppose when you offer that kindness to people, then you offer them probably the first kindness that they've had in many a year and that's where people can start looking mm. and reflecting yeah like I mean I've often said uh, Trina that um, I, you, the, the indicator often that you had connected with someone that was in prison is that I always felt that the, for the vast numbers of ca- in, in the vast numbers of cases their eyes their eyes were always dull and I don't know very little flick or very little life in, in, with, in the eyeballs when you look at them and when you were kind or when you said something positive or when you would praise them or when you did them some little favour that would cost nothing but would mean a lot to them an extra visit or facilitating something that, that they you know that, uh, that they needed at the time you'd, you, you'd notice the tiny little flicker of light yeah. of brightness yeah. of a spark in yeah. their eyes um, and I found that, 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 that huge numbers of them they were very hard on themselves because that was the culture they were always putting themselves down and when you you know when you said something positive or when you gave them a bit of praise or when you were nice to them or kind to them kindness costs nothing by the yeah. way uh, it's every human being's language no, yeah, yeah it forget is. That. Yeah. every human being understands la- uh, kindness and if, if people will remember I've always said this to people uh, time and time again and say to students in schools Kindness will be remembered when every word you spoke has long been forgotten. Yeah. People yeah. will always remember the kind act, whatever that little kind words, uh, gentleness as well. Another another thing that's alien in prison is gentleness. Yeah. Uh, roaring and shouting mm. and everyone aggressive. Toxic. Toxic. And, and gentleness is, is, is a magnificent, yeah. uh, powerful therapy. It is. Because yeah. people relax yeah. and people understand yeah. and people uh, respect a person who is gentle. Yeah. 
And, and you know, I, I, when, I was, when I signed off in Limerick first, which is 55 years ago now, um, there was a, a supervising officer there. He was called, an, it is still called, the rank is called an assistant chief officer, ACO in prison jargon. But there was an elderly man, relatively elder, because when you're 20, everyone looks at the elderly. <laughs> like. He was probably only in his early 40s. But anyway, he looked elderly. Yeah. But anyway, he, he never smoked, but he always had cigarettes. And I often remark that, that when a prisoner got upset and got angry or got frustrated, he'd pull out the old packet of cigarettes and hand him in a cigarette and he'd say, sit down there and smoke that. Mm. And by the time he had smoked, the whole thing was calmed down. Yeah. Now, the authorities hated him because of that kindness. Because, right. you see, the system that time was all about being harsh and tough. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's popular, you know, to be uh, tough in prison. Uh, I, I came across that a lot. And, and uh, you know, some of my colleagues, uh, you know, promoted themselves on the basis of how tough they were. And, they, you know, they were a disaster like. And they yeah. did, the problem, the sadness was that they didn't even realise they were. And sometimes the, their authorities, the Irish prison servers under the Department of Justice, didn't realise it either. That, you know, somebody that sets well, it's out really to be bad tough. Example. Yeah, but anyone that sets out to be tough is a misfit. You should never allow yourself mm-hmm. in a position of a responsibility and authority to be tough. Because you're you're actually you know creating difficulties for people yeah. uh, that that have mm. lifelong mm. repercussions. Mm. Because being cruel to some, you know, you can actually make a difference to somebody, but simply the way you respond to a request. Mm. Because if they see you as a, you're a, a kind and, and genuine and honest person, predictable uh, and trusting, yes. trust is huge. Mm-hmm. And I always say that to people: it's no use really going into prison, interviewing prisoners until you build up trust, because they'll tell you anything. Uh, and yeah, to, you know the, the greatest label you could get in prison if you were working in prison man or woman didn't matter what job you were doing if you got the title from the prisoner population that you're sound you believe me you're sound yeah. Yeah. and the day you got that title yeah. the rest of your life was a pudding because yeah. Yeah. nobody would ever cause you any trouble mm. because they'll say to each other no she's sound yeah, you're authentic yeah. you're authentic well, you yeah, that's on it. fair fair yeah. Yeah. yeah it's based on a number of, of very important qualities like being respectful uh, being approachable uh, being predictable being kind mm. so there's a lot of uh, being true to your word which but is having huge boundaries as well what? you're not talking you know. about uh, you know mm. someone that's all over the place mm. they don't have no time for people who are weak by the way and you know changing their minds and, and telling lies like yeah. I, I you know I, I look after that I never do it yeah. they have no time for that they have far prepared people who they can depend upon and who they can predict well, and, they, and they will accept no from somebody who sounds they will accept no. it yeah, it's how you, you say no yeah, it's how, it's you, how you say no it's how you make and, them feel and I think that they well, I still say it to parents as well look the f- 10 seconds or 15 seconds of explaining why is always worth you know, it's weight in gold. Just yeah. because every human being likes to have a decision explained. This is the reason why. Yeah. And, you know, you're showing respect and you're educating and you're seeing, you're giving them an and insight into where you're coming from. Yeah. 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 It's logic. It's, yeah. yeah. Even to a, a yeah. three or four year old. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, know say, I say to every, every age. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So even now, John, even though you're out of the, the, uh, prison service and system, you you still continue to walk in that kind of arena. Can you tell us maybe um, to try and uh, bring us back around to what what are you working at now? What what do you well, do I now? Call it, I, Trina, I wouldn't call it working at all. No, but I'm that's because you're so good at I'm it. Dusting you're dusting. Dusting. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I love that word. Yeah, I keep, first of all, I, you know, I think it's very important I keep very fit physically. Yes. So I do a lot of physical exercise uh, on a weekly basis. And uh, and that's, I running. think, you're running and doing weights and all that to keep wow, fit. Very so I, good. I, keep, I keep very fit. 
and, and, that, and, and that takes up a bit of time. And then I visit lots of schools, um, especially boys schools. I know this is, you know, the yeah. era of gender equality and all that. But I just believe that boys are more at risk and because we're slower to mature. Our brains are slower brains to are develop. Different. And yeah. we're in danger, a lot mm. more in danger of making bad choices and making uh, bad decisions when we're young. Well, I have often said that I met lots and lots of people in prison where one bad choice, one bad decision mm. led to hundreds of bad yeah. choices. So yeah. I spend a bit of time there. I do a little positive mental health talk called How to Be Happy and Content. Ah, and that's a very... In posi- the schools? No, well, no, and in the it. communities as well. Brilliant. And, uh, and that's, uh, I suppose, instead of a mental health, positive mental health talk, I call it How to Be Happy and Content. It's yeah. the same thing. It's about, you know, looking at the positives mm-hmm. and, and making sacrifices that, you know, I, I suppose doing things that we don't like doing that yeah. we need to do. The, the if we want to keep, isn't Correct. And if how, we need to keep yeah. ourselves well. How do you keep yourself well? I keep myself well mainly Apart by from exercise the fitness, and sport. I'm big into sport. I follow more sports and uh, that gives me, uh, 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 you know, uh, an opportunity, I suppose, to relax. Um, and, and I like to be sort of busy in a sense that I'm, but I'm my own boss. So, you know, I do stuff with communities and, and you'd be surprised about leadership and about lots of different things. So I get lots of stuff to and, do. But do you meditate how, as well? I, I don't. Say, no, do you know? No, no, no. I, I don't either. You no. like meditation. I do. I like it. I, Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, don't, I love that realignment. Yeah. I'm too mad it. to meditate. Oh, my God, I love it. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. good for you. I know. I'm sure it is. I'm yeah. sure it is. No, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't, John. I don't I'm do. with you. I don't I'm sure you can do. find <laughs> a lovely rock near your house where you can sit. And um, no. and a little bit of namaste. Yeah. I have my little daughter saying namaste oh, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, by the way, I have, no, I, I have nothing but, uh, you know, positive feelings yeah. about it. Yeah. I think uh, relaxing. And mm. I, I mean, I actually say in the little talk about po- how to be happy and content, yeah. how important it is to rest our brains. Yeah. You know, and, and how difficult co- it is. And how difficult it is. Oh and but God, how relaxing how it is to concentrate yeah. on the breeze outside or the clock yeah. ticking or your own well, breathing. Well, that's a bit of meditation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is, that is. It is. Yeah, but, Absolutely. But some, I'm saying we are very conscious of resting our bodies. We're not often as, as conscious of resting our minds yeah. and our brains. Well, you, and I stop think them I can imagine you need to rest that brain. I now. do sometimes. Yeah, yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if people want to get in touch with you to collaborate with you in any way, how how can they contact? Well, I you, have John? a little website. Okay, uh, what's that? Uh, um, uh, Johnlonergan uh, com. And yeah. uh, I, I, I highlight there on that little web on that uh, website what the things I do, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm available to people if they want yeah, to contact you're me. you're always open for school, to do yeah, something. For schools yeah. or communities yeah. or any, anything else, really. Yeah. If I can't, my, I suppose, at this stage of my life, my philosophy is if I can do anything to help anybody or to encourage anybody or to entertain anybody, I'm delighted to do it because, I mean, I've nothing and, else and to do. And you are all of them things. Isn't and, and, he? What and a we're pleasure, just so Honestly, I, I think uh, I laughed yeah. from the minute I met you. He's yeah. just joy. Yeah. Yeah. You do bring a lot of joy. Well, John. yeah, I suppose it's just a way of two different ways of looking at life, either positive or negative. And my old philosophy is positivity and making the best of. And you have only one life and, it, and it's, it's living now, not tomorrow and not living yesterday. It's living now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the secret. If you have, a, if there is a secret, it's living the present and making the best of the present. Yeah. And, and and on that note, I'm going to say thank you very much, John. And she's going to meditate now. I, I know. Outside. Sorry, John. I, I, I'm i with you. I don't do it. My but pleasure. thank you ever so much thank for you, coming. Thank you, John. We appreciate your time. Thank yeah. you. You can contact us on social media at Real Lives Untold. Our email address is reallivesuntold at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear this season's episodes every Wednesday. You can listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.